there's no fear Cause I believe There is no doubt Cause I have seen Your faithfulness My fortress Over and over Oh Lord I have a hope Found in your name And I have a strength Found in your grace Your faithfulness My fortress Over and over Make way through the famous for making things happen in our lives and I pray that tonight uh, something will happen in your life. Thank you so much uh, Lindsay for coming in, Grace Natalie you're welcome and Kendadi thank you so much for being with us uh, this evening. I really appreciate you guys and uh, I'll encourage you to go ahead and share the show with friends and family and uh, ask them to come and be a part of us uh, this evening as we listen to Mr. Kendadi as it takes us through Romans chapter 8, verse 28, that talks about all things working out together 
for those who love the Lord. I just paraphrased that verse. I know there's some stuff I've skipped. <laughs> Mr. Kennedy, you will forgive me. But did, when I was thinking about this verse tonight, one of the things that uh, really came to mind was the whole aspect of suffering and uh, what people go through, what I have gone through, um, what several ones have gone through. And uh, in, in the end, I've ended up questioning God's uh, existence uh, in the process, really based on why uh, they suffer, or at least for the evil that they have seen uh, in this world. But I pray that uh, we'll find some answers tonight. I really pray that uh, we'll be encouraged as we look at the truth of God's word uh, this evening. Allow me to pray as we get started. Heavenly Father, thank you uh, so much for this evening. We, we want to come before you um, with thanksgiving, um, saying that uh, no matter what has happened to us, no matter what we've gone through, we are thankful because you remain God. Uh, you remain who you are. You remain loving. You, you, you called us and asked us to just commit our anxieties to you uh, because you love us. And we want to come before you uh, this evening, uh, committing all that may be uh, getting us worried, all that may be getting us worked up and anxious about the future, we want to commit it to you. Uh, because you know the past, you also know the future. And that's why we are confident uh, that you have all the answers. And we pray uh, for those who have decided to tune in tonight, that we shall be encouraged. Uh, friends who are not able to tune in tonight for certain reasons, we pray that all you continue to work in their lives as well. Uh, cause us to pray for them when we get a chance to. And we want to commit this evening before you, and we pray um, that you you will guide us, that you speak to Mr. Kendari as he opens your word uh, this evening to share with us. Uh, we pray that we as well will be changed, that our hearts will be opened to correction, will be open to encouragement, will be open to rebuke and teaching from you, that we may be thoroughly equipped for every good work, for every good work. Thank you, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I was browsing through uh, the internet and uh, trying to come up with some answers uh, when it comes to to this whole problem of suffering. And uh, it, it's interesting. Um, there's an article I found here called uh, The Logical Problem of Evil. And uh, they say that the existence of evil and suffering in our world seem to pose a serious challenge uh, to believe in the existence of a perfect God uh, live alone the existence of God, but of a perfect God. If God were all-knowing, it seems that God would know about all the horrible things that happen in our world. If God were all-powerful, God would be able to do something about all the evil uh, of the of all the evil and suffering. And furthermore, if God were morally perfect, then surely God would want to do something about it. And yet we find that our world is filled with countless instances of evil and suffering. These facts about evil and suffering seem to conflict with the orthodox theist claim that there, is existing, that there exists a perfect good God. The challenge posed by this apparent conflict has come to be known as the problem of evil. And uh, tonight we are privileged to have Mr. Kendari. Uh, with us. And Mr. Kennedy, this first question really goes goes to you. Uh, how have you answered people in the past that have posed this logical argument that God does not exist, or at least if he does, he's not all loving? Uh, or if he's all loving, uh, he's not all powerful and all loving to try and mean that he would love us enough to stop the evil, but all powerful, uh, if he's not all powerful, then it makes sense because otherwise he would have the power to stop all the evil. And so if God is all-powerful and all-loving, as we describe him to be, most have concluded that he does not exist. Why? Because of the suffering um, that we see. And, and I'm really picking all of this up from the verse that we're going to be covering tonight, Romans 8, 28. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. What are some of the answers you've, you've given people, Mr. Kendari, when this problem has been posed to you? Okay, can you hear me okay? Yes, can I can. Hear? Okay, okay, good, good, good. Okay, that n number one, you have the natural uh, things around you that declare that there is a creator. Uh, I was a physics major in college, and that was design engineer, a chief design engineer of a company. 
And uh, my brother, who is one of the top communication experts in the United States as far as, as, far as uh, radio, TV um, type of things, uh, remember he and I having a discussion. And uh, with myself, it was very easy. There was too much order, too much structure. And, you know, to, for even man to appear, it's like taking all the parts to a Mercedes Benz and putting them in a big shaker and start shaking about, and within a few thousand years, you might have a whole car together that totally runs. And I'm talking about all the minor parts, the bolt nuts, the bolts. And, and so there had to be a creator. Um, my brother said the same thing. He, at one time, was not a believer, quote-unquote, in God, but, but he ran with the top doctors and masters hmm. people, and, and they, uh, together, he said, together, we realized... There's so much order, so much structure. There had to be a God. Now, the thing is, what do you do with God? And if God is God, then why do we think we need to control him, number one? Uh, number two, that uh, I'll ask the person, are you, an honest, are you an honest seeker of the truth? If you're an honest seeker of the truth, I'd like to share with you some scriptures. And so, one, I would go to Genesis. Yes, God made a perfect wheel, world. But he gave man a choice, and the, and the man made a wrong choice, and that affected all of us. But the, the, the thing is that the idea of evil is natural. It's passed down from generation to generation. And that, yes, he could have made it so everything was perfect, but that means we're really not human beings. We're puppets, and we do not are not able to make choices because every choice is picked by him and directed by him. And therefore, the idea of love, we would only love because he told us to love. And, and so uh, that's, that the idea of choice is in there. That's what God gave. He gave us that choice. He gave Adam that choice. And you say, wait a minute, that was Adam. Why is it? Well, it says that it's passed down to each generation. I have a friend who, who at one time, believed there was no inherent evil within people until he had his first child. And, and just, within, just within weeks of having that child, he realized, yes, man is evil. Uh, his, his darling little baby, who he loved so much, uh, that there were so many things that went on, and he realized that there, there was evil natural within man. And so then we need to take a look at from Genesis, the idea of evil came in. Uh, why, why, why is this evil here? And, and what's the purpose? And uh, there's several things we could go to, uh, several scriptures. We're going to cover a couple of those as we go along. In fact, it might answer a question a little bit later on, but, but the idea of evil is there to help us, one, to be purified, two, to see what our commitment is, three, to see if we trust God, four, if we're willing to grow in him, and five, to be able to serve him wholeheartedly and not because he is pulling the strings for each of us. That this verse we're going to talk about isn't that he's pulling puppet strings, but that things might come out to good for all. We'll look at that a little bit more as we get into the lesson. So, if, if they're a student willing to learn, we start with Genesis. Uh, that will probably end up in Philippians, Philippians 1.29 and also uh, the, uh, James 1, uh, basically 1 through uh, 4 or 5. And also we'll be, we would be looking at, at uh, uh, 1 Peter, 1 Peter uh, 5.10. And looking at those, we will see that... that uh, the things we go through, the sufferings we go through, are not there to break us. But the sufferings we go there is to purify us, to prepare us, to help us to be stronger in Him. And so uh, that God is love, and, 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 and we'll look at that as well, the idea of, of Hebrews, that He loves us enough to discipline us. And even says that in, in Revelation that because he loves us, that he has he chastens us. So, uh, so many people look at 
at what's around us is negative. And I realize there is a lot negative around us. I look at Nigeria and what Boko Haram has been doing with Christians. I look at what happened in, in uh, um, um, Rwanda uh, during the purging and stuff. Atrocious things happened. And, mm. and, and, and we look at that. Uh, the key thing is if we know the Lord, we're with him, we're better off anyhow, number one. Number two, if we're here, then God's left us here to be a message uh, of grace to those around us. Do we want to be the message or we want to be a detractor? And those are things God uses. That, that is a simple answer. Uh, it, t it takes a little bit longer than that to really go through the process. Hmm. Amen. Um, it's interesting how Genesis explains the origin um, of suffering, um, that these are answers the world does not have uh, when it comes to why these things happen. And uh, we, we, we tend to pri primarily, primarily um, blame God uh, for the suffering um, and, and with that logical question of if it does exist, why, why does the suffering stop? And we forget that the entire scriptures from history to eternity uh, future is really to try and, uh, and literally get rid of what we know today as, as evil and suffering. It's actually his plan. But will we accept it? Will we believe it? Uh, and, and so it's interesting. I think we find answers, yes, when we go back to the origin. Um, and when, when I was talking to you earlier on, I termed that first question, Mr. Kendadi, as, as the logical question. But there's also the personal question. Uh, why do I bring it up? That's because we might have friends uh, on the show who have gone through enormous suffering. And, and they could be saying right now that if you have gone through what I've gone through, if you've seen what I've seen, um, you would then understand why. Um, and so there's a personal sense in which um, suffering is painful and, and that pain is tangible. And, and it's difficult uh, sometimes to explain why some people go through suffering, especially if it's not your own. And uh, it, I've thought about being a pastor so many times. Um, I believe I have the gift of teaching, but I've, I've failed, if I can use the word failed. I have failed to be able to uh, comfort those who are hurting. Why? Because I, I don't have the answers. I don't even know where to start. That's one area I believe um, I feel insufficient, uh, Mr. Kennedy. Why? Because someone who is hurting and going through pain it's difficult uh, to give them, I don't want to say logical answers, because at that point, logic doesn't work. And uh, it doesn't matter what you say, nothing seems to soothe the pain. And there could be someone here with us who might have gone through suffering recently. And they're thinking, my experience really, if you told me to go back to Genesis, yes, I would go back, but I don't think I've found the answers. And I'm not, I'm not in any way intending to say that the scriptures are insufficient, but I wanted to ask um, if you have gone through enormous suffering, Mr. Kendadi, and how have you been able to, to see God in it? Uh, maybe as a personal, brief personal uh, testimony to us. How have you been able to see God through a circumstances? Because the scriptures do talk about, may they, when they refer to, to us and say, may the God of comfort comfort you but in the same way you will comfort another. Um, why? Because I think when we experience God's comfort, we kind of have answers to the discomfort that people may be going through. And so I wanted to ask if uh, you would just choose maybe one of those scenarios or personal testimony or a story that you may know of someone that may be an encouragement of how they're able to see God through uh, pain and, and, and suffering. Okay. That's... <laughs> that one Paul himself said as he was going through his trials and in there in, in 2 Corinthians 12, uh, he says, and God said unto me, uh, I am sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, I will glory in my Uh, 
uh, let me just share a, 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 a few things that physically I, I have not suffered like some of my brothers. I have not. Uh, but I have been to uh, my, my dad left my mom when I was five years old. Uh, my stepfather married my mom more out of pity, though he grew to love us boys. He didn't know how to love us. And I had everything put across me. He could get his hand on. I've had at least one uh, two by four broken across me. That's a big stick of wood. And because uh, uh, in his anger. And the thing is, when I trusted Christ, I could look back and understand that he didn't know how to love me. But God, now I have a father I can look at, a heavenly father that I can look at and look at my dad through his eyes and understand that he was lost. By the way, he trusted Christ three years before he died. And he did because of our family. Um, I got run over by a speedboat one time and had my leg cut nine times, four inches deep at the deepest part. And that was a terrible thing. I got thrown in the hospital, uh, 150 stitches in my leg. But it got me to thinking about heaven and hell. It got me thinking about life and death. And it was a few months later that I trusted Christ. And I believe directly because of that accident. But even in ministry, I remember uh, one time I preached in a church and a pastor because I'm enthusiastic when I preach and, and uh, that type of thing. He wrote a letter directly to Word Life telling them that I was not fit for the ministry that he was disappointed in word life choosing me. And, and uh, I remember my boss got the letter. He didn't send it to me. He didn't talk to me personally. He didn't follow biblical things, even though I was a pastor. But he went directly to my boss and wrote the letter. And, and my boss read the letter to me. I remember at the end, I was crying. And uh, my boss started laughing. He says, Dady, welcome to the ministry. And, and he encouraged me to keep faithful, to keep doing what God's called me to do. And so uh, that's, I went through, let's say, unjust suffering through that. But through that, that, uh, that was like 40, 40, uh, uh, 43 years ago, I'm still in ministry. The guy is not in ministry because God called me to a purpose and focus. So uh, whether it's spiritual whether it's physical, whether it's emotional, God uses things. And I could go into uh, one more that I have a, a friend. I have a friend, a Chinese lady who I ministered to her children um, that as an area missionary, ministered to the leaders. I remember when she was in her 40s, she got cancer and her cancer went into remission. Everybody was excited. But then a few months later, her cancer came back. It came back with a vengeance. And people were asking, why you? Why you? Because she was like uh, the Dorcas. She, she was a woman who did stuff for other people. And they say, why you? Why you? And she looked at them each time and said, why not me? Why not me? See, her focus was on heaven. Her focus was on God. And God gave her the strength and gave her the abundant mercy within her heart that when she died, she died loving to go to her Savior. I, I got so many stories of that with saints that I know, young as well as old, and uh, that, that uh, they walked through that valley, the shadow of death, and they feared no evil because they knew the evil was without, but God was with them. Does that help? It does. It does. Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, you know, uh, right there at the end is where all the hope is that even when there is death, uh, we are staring at uh, in the face. Um, there is hope, and that hope is in the resurrection that uh, we're looking forward. If death is right there knocking, we're looking forward. But one of the things that... Uh, the psalmist does talk about is even I walk through the valley of the shadow of death I'll fear no evil for you are with me 
And God is with us. Uh, he will never leave us nor forsake us. And the, the last question I'm going to ask is really you to share with us the biblical um, perspective on these things uh, as you cover uh, some of some of the points that you're prepared to cover in in your in your in your teaching tonight. This is to let the listeners know that uh, we also have notes uh, available if you would like to have those. I'm going to send you a link. I'm going to put the link right there in the chat if you'd like to follow along as Mr. Ken is taking us through this. But before he does that, allow me to play for you uh, this song that I believe is going to encourage you, even as we talk about uh, having hope when suffering is extreme, when death is knocking at the door, uh, when there doesn't seem to be hope. Let's remember that there is hope in the resurrection. That's the living hope in Christ Jesus. And uh, uh, Matt Redman sang this song. He says, abide with me, abide with me. And I pray that will encourage you. Kennedy, you are welcome. Yes, sir. You may go ahead and share with us. You're welcome to share with us. <laughs> okay. Awesome. It's great to be with you. 
and uh, be with my brothers and sisters that as we look at God's word and we look at the uh, particular verse we're looking at, uh, Romans 8, 28, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. Let's pray. Father, help us as we look at your word, as we uh, don't just look at it with our eyes, but we contemplate it with our mind and dwell on it through your spirit, and that we might walk away with a practical application of, of, uh, of your word, your principles, and your life for us. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. The idea of all things work together, and the questions you had were great, David, that the idea of suffering, why is suffering? And, and, and suffering is, one, hard to look at, but sometimes even harder to, to walk through. And uh, to say that I have done that perfectly, I would be lying. And, but it's, each time it's been a learning experience as I've allowed God to work in my life and work through it. But as we look at that verse, the idea of all things, and all means all, and that's all, all means. The idea how much are all things? Um, it's everything. And so many times we like to pick and choose, well, that's okay, but this I really don't like. And so we're trying to make choices for God. And who is God? If God is truly God, then he is over us. He directs us. He's the one who encourages us. Remember I said earlier in answering the questions, it's awesome that God did not make us puppets. And so we are able to love. We are able to have joy. We are able to experience all the different emotions. And so it, it's kind of like uh, Daniel in Daniel 435, and all the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing. And he doeth according to his will among the inhabitants of the earth and, and among, among the armies of God and the inhabitants of earth. And none can stay his hand or say unto him, what doest thou? And so uh, the idea, it's, it's, so many times we try to tell God what it really should go on when he's the one who created us. And he did say in John chapter 10, verse 10, that he's come to give us abundant life. And the key thing, once we learn that, and sometimes we have to relearn that several times, then we need to understand that, that if he's come to give us abundant life, then let's listen to the maker. Let's listen to the one who knows us inside and out. And so all things are all things, which means when things come, that means whether it's this situation or this person, that God wants to use all things for good. And as you look there, all things work together, which means there is a purpose and a plan. Being an uh, ex-engineer, we made things so they would mesh, so they would work together. There was a plan as we put together our, our uh, a different equipment that we designed and made to that went all over the world. And there is a definite purpose, a higher purpose, in how God made us and how he prepared us. There is a plan. And so it's important then that all things work together. It means all parts of our conditions will mesh together. It doesn't mean we're going to understand it today. It might not even mean that we'll understand it totally when it's over with. But in time, as God reveals his total plan, as he matures us, like uh, I shared about how that I was raised in a home in which my dad was abusive, physically, emotionally, mentally, verbally, uh, all the different things I could go through uh, different things. And at that time, that, uh, that it was hard to conceive of that. My brothers all became bitter, all became bitter because they did not have Jesus Christ in their life. And that's one thing. When I came to know Jesus, I chose not to be bitter, but also to, to minister to him and to forgive him. So all things work together. And it says for good. And and the thing is, you remember who is good? 
who is good? Remember that question being asked? And the only one is good is Jesus. Only one is good is God. And so that means God's plan, God's way. And you might say, man, that's pretty straightforward, Ken. Uh, isn't there some leeway there? That in Jeremiah, it says, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who could know it? And so many times what we think is good might not be good for all things, for all people. And so it, it's the idea that work together for good, for God's plan, for God's direction, for God's life for us. And it goes on to them that love God. This is very key. Uh, if you would look at John 14 in, in verse 15, it says, if you love me, keep my commandments. Hmm. Them that love God. Oh, in verse 20, in verse uh, 20, 21, it says, he that hath my commandments and keepeth them, it be, he it is that loveth me and he and he that loveth me shall be loved of my father and I will love him and will manifest myself to him. Oh, in verse 23, Jesus answered and said unto him, if a man love me, he will keep my words and my father's will and my father will love him and we will come unto him and make our bow with them. And so um, in, in taking those within context, the whole idea, if we love God, we're going to keep his commandments. And we could go to 1 John chapter 4 and see the same thing, that uh, we could, uh, different parts of 1 John, that we could see that, those opportunities. Like if, if um, uh, a man that loves not, loves not God, for God is love, and he's commanded us to love. John 13, 34 and 35. So to them that love God, truly if we love God, and then we should be obedient to him. And we should not be causing the problems. And by the way, there's sometimes we go through things because of the sinful acts of man. The sinful acts of man. So it isn't always our thing, but I want to talk about it when we do cause the problem. But when things happen around us that are not our fault, and, and some are just the idea of the acts of nature, but the acts of nature came with the fall of Adam. That's when everything in the garden was, it was they were pushed out of the garden. They were pushed out into the real world. And that's, that's when man started sinning, and then the flood came, and then all types of things started happening throughout the world. James 1, James 1, my brethren, verse 2, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptation, knowing this, the trying of your faith, the working your faith, worketh patience, or in essence, endurance or maturity. But let patience have a perfect work that may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. And so uh, the idea that it's supposed to help us to become perfect in fact, it even says that in, in uh, 1 Peter 5.10. That's is talking about after we have trusted him and the idea of our, our suffering, the things we're going through will help us to be perfect or mature, would help us be established, strengthened, and settled. And so the idea of things we go through, we choose how we react to it. We choose who we, who we uh, learn to believe. And if, quote-unquote, our time comes that we have to stand and suffer and, and go to, and, and in essence, die, it's a better thing because we're with him. And we know when we face him, we can truly say that, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, I followed you. I chose to follow you. And he can say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful in a few things. I'll make thee a ruler over many things. As we look at 1 Peter 2, uh, when it comes to suffering, and there, in starting with verse 18, he's talking about servants. Today, we would tie that in with employees, but also that could tie in with, with uh, other things within our world. For example, as children of parents. 
and us being subject to, to those around us. In verse 19, it says, For this is thankworthy, the man for conscience towards God endure grief, suffering wrongfully. For what glory is it when you are buffeted for your faults? That means you are mistreated. You shall take, or, or you're beaten for, I should say. You're beaten for your faults. You should take it patiently. Huh. But that's, that would be normal. When someone does wrong, uh, they're punished for it. But then it goes on. But when you do well and suffer for it and take it patiently, this is the key. This is acceptable with God. And I realize it's easier to say than to do. And I have not been in some of your shoes. I would admit that. But I know what I have been through when I've allowed God to get the glory, when I've allowed myself to say, yes, this is your will. Yes, I will obey. Yes, it says count it all joy. I don't go around dancing and, and shouting and hallelujah, but I do know this. When I face it his way and trust him, and then I see awesome things take place in my life, in the life of others. And I could share even more examples of that. But also, sometimes we go through, go through problems because it's our own sin. It's our own sin. And because he loves us, because he loves us, that he will, in essence, punish us or discipline us. And it says there in Hebrews chapter 12, starting with verse, verse 10. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 10. For they verily for a few days chasten us after their own pleasure, but he for a profit, that we might be partakers of his holiness. Now no chastening for the present seemed to be joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, afterward, it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. And so it's talking about because he loves us. And if you take it within context uh, of, of Hebrews 12, you're, you're seeing there that he's talking about us as his children, as legit, legitimate children, that he will chasten us. He will chasten us because he loves us. In Revelation 3.19, but as many as I love are rebuke and chasten, be zealous and repent. And so the idea is, when we're chastened, it's for a purpose. One, to purify us. Two, to bring us back to him. Three, to help us understand what's wrong. I'm not sure about you, but there's many times I had to discipline each, my, my two children. I had a son and daughter. And it wasn't always fun to do that. But the purpose, by the way, if you, if you chasten, if you discipline them out of anger, wrong way to discipline. You need to discipline with the idea of helping them to grow through this and helping them not to do certain things. And it might mean some corporal punishment along the way. And God does the same thing with us. And by the way, when I discipline my kids, I don't just say what's wrong. I, I don't just punish them for doing what's wrong. But then I take them to God's word and help them understand God's way of doing it right. And then after that, I share with them our love, and we pray together, and we talk to God together. And then afterwards, I wrap my arms around them and tell them I love them. And that's what God does with us. But the idea of repentance does not put away discipline. Uh, so many people say, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Uh, I'm going down to visit with a pastor who just adopted a son. And many times a day, he says, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And He's like five or six years old. And so his dad had to sit down with him and say, you're saying the words, but where is your heart? And so repentance does not put away the discipline, but does change the relationship. When we repent, David, th well, th think of Samson, his sin of pride. It cost him his eyesight. It cost him his dignity. And though God's, through God's good, through this was destroyed the Philistine leadership when he brought down the house around him, his life was destroyed as well because his repentance came late, very late. And he asked God for one more opportunity. And God granted that and allowed him 
to be used as his tool to destroy the Philistine leadership. David sinned with Bathsheba and then with her husband Uriah, getting him killed because he wouldn't do the things he, he, he wanted him to do to cover his own sin. It cost David his child. It cost David his family. His family became dysfunctional, and part of his kingdom, even for a short time, was lost to him because of David's sin. He repented, and, and he is a man after God's own heart. But even with repentance doesn't mean that discipline disappears. So sometimes the good he brings is one for us to be stronger, for us to remember, for others to see the, God's work in our life. So the best way to see Romans, Romans 8.28, shine for, for God and for us is be part of the positive results of being in the center of God's will with our obedience all the way, all the way in with our life and even in our death. See, we're not ready to live for God if we're not ready to die for him. We're also not ready to die for Christ unless we're ready to live for him and to live for him wholeheartedly. Even when wrong things happen to us, even when death or sickness happens to us, even when we lose a job or certain things happen, we can either take it and move forward and look for God's good, not sit around and feel sorry for ourselves, but to look, okay, one, what can I learn? Two, how can I glorify God through this? Three, what are ways I can move forward to be able to do this God's way? And four, you need to do all that with prayer. And five, you need to do that by being in God's word. So the idea all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. Are we ready to be that vessel? Are we ready to be his instrument? I didn't say it was going to be easy, but I do know this. The more you do that, the more you go through it, the easier it becomes to take the next step. I'm sure it wasn't easy for Paul as he looked forward to going to Jerusalem uh, to to, he knew he was going to be uh, tried. He knew he was going to be, uh, uh, things were going to be happening to him. And even a prophet told him that was going to happen. But just think about Jesus. Jesus did not look forward to the cross. He really didn't. He said, Lord, if you can take this cup, Father, if you can take this cup from me. But he said, not my will, but your will. And he knew he's going to be crucified. He knew that his, his, his blood would be shed. He knew he was going to be beaten. He knew he was going to be put on a cross. He knew he'd be separated from God because of the sin that was upon him for that moment. But he knew there was a greater purpose, and that purpose was for you and me. So lest you and me be also part of that greater purpose for God's glory. Amen? Gethsemane Before the cross Before the nail Thank you. Thank you so much, Mr. Kendai. Um, there's a last point you made there that reminded me of my relationship with, uh, with my kids. And sometimes they ask questions uh, and they're seeking answers. But sometimes I figure it may take the whole day uh, for me to give them the answers and uh, sometimes I ignore and uh, I choose not to answer the questions but their days have given very short answers um, to their questions. Why? Because their minds are too small to comprehend the entire plan and uh, I try as much as I can as they keep growing up to, to allow them a glimpse or some of the things we are planning as a family. And of course, most of their world is surrounded by things like, when am I getting a bike? Uh, when am I getting this new toy? And that's all they keep asking in terms of questions. 
but I, ca- I can't start breaking down the entire family budget for them and my earnings and <laughs> to try and explain to them how long it will take for us to save for a bike. And then if I have to take them to hospital, how that bike money is get end up going to be used. And I can't do all of that. All I can say is you'll get a bike when you get a bike. And uh, the reason I bring that up is sometimes I, it's true, not sometimes, but it's true that our minds cannot comprehend uh, the thoughts of God. And so we cannot, it's difficult. We cannot fully understand why certain things happen, especially to us. And uh, in this context, the concept of of, uh, of suffering. But just to beg your pardon, towards the end there, you did mention that we need to look at these events through the eyes of God. And there's about four or five things you mentioned. I remember the last one was to do with prayer and do all of it with prayer. Could you kindly remind us of the other four? I wonder if you were four or three. Um, I don't know if you are part of your notes or you just they just came to you, but you didn't mention something that we need how we need to look at it in relation to God's eyes. And you mentioned four things. Yeah, I mentioned five, and and I I didn't that that's the I believe the Spirit working through me in bringing them up, but mm-hmm. uh, but I think one of those is the idea of understanding uh, our part in it. Well, need to go to Scripture. That's part of it need to pray mm. uh you need to uh see well i'm not i know i'm not going to repeat them uh totally but i mean the things i can think of right now is the idea of seeing if we have part in this or if it's some something else what can i oh first thing was what can i learn from it what mm. can i learn from it? that was point number one uh two that uh, how can i give glory through this how can I give glory mm-hmm. through this? And and so uh, understanding, it's just like my my uh, Chinese friend that uh, she said, why not, when she was going through. Uh, and she, she died. She died within a week after uh, saying that many times. And uh, that's uh, the idea, how can she give glory to God? That's what she did. And she is remembered as a woman of God, not because of her works, as much as her facing ready to go to the Lord. Um, mm. And then the, uh, the idea of being in God's word, being people of prayer. And there's another one in there, which I forgot. Maybe someone else wrote it down and they can text it in. But it, it was not part of my notes. It's just a God <laughs> thing as I was going through. Mm. But thank you, thank you, thank you so much. But um, I won't just ask two very, I don't, I don't want to say simple questions. Uh, maybe one is not really a question, but I'll still ask. Um, it's one is someone maybe with us tonight that uh, may fully, may not fully comprehend what we are talking about. Why? Because they have no relationship with, with the Savior. Uh, that means the concept of God. Uh, working in our lives through suffering may just never make sense. Or maybe a friend who's listening tonight, and yes, they are they are, they are Christians, they are believers, but they, they they are wondering how do I how do I how do I encourage a family member? How do I encourage a friend who does not know God? And I know it's 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 uh, it's only logical um, to share the gospel with them. Uh, but uh, how do we start? How do we start? Because their pain is real. Um, but how do we start in sharing God through suffering? Um, but also someone who may be here that may not uh, know Christ, maybe some kind words to them uh, in brief uh, for them to be able to seek, I mean, find the truth in, in Christ. Um, and then the last one is going to be, I'm going to ask you to pray uh, for someone who may be going through very painful circumstances right now. Um or may have uh, someone that that is suffering right now. I'm going to ask you after you've answered the first question uh, to just kindly pray. Uh, one of the things we did mention, yeah, yes, is the need for prayer, and I believe there's a place where other believers uh, pray with us or pray for us. And so I'll ask you to close for us in prayer after encouraging someone who may not know God and they're here with us, or they may have a friend or family member who may not know God and how should they be able to help them find comfort. 
how can they bring up the gospel for them uh, to find that hope, the living hope in Christ? And then I'll ask you to kindly pray for anyone present here with us that may be going through suffering or may have a friend or family member going through suffering. Well, one, if, okay, thank you. And by the way, it's been an honor to to be with you. And, and, uh, and David, you already know I pray for you and your family every week. And it's a joy and honor mm-hmm. to do that. And several others there in Uganda and Rwanda, uh, in Nigeria, and so South Africa too. But the idea here, um, if we come across with a, we have the pat answer, um, that means an easy answer. It's not an easy answer. Um, the whole idea is for them to understand that there was a perfect world. Take them back to Genesis especially Genesis 3 and, and well, 1 through 3, and, and help them see that, that because of the fall of man, there was only one command, one thing they didn't have to do, uh, they were not supposed to do. There was no other rules. Just think if we only had one rule, we could live by right here. But we got all the rules uh, in our country, in our areas, but one rule. And they couldn't even keep that. And so that because of that, that's why sin and degradation has come to our world. And then, but you need to help them see, uh, take them to Romans. And Romans 3.23, we're all of sin and come short of the glory. All of us are sinners. And when you share that, point to yourself first. That means I'm a sinner. And if I'm a sinner, would that make maybe, what would you be called? if God was right here. And then the idea that Romans uh, 5.8, but God gave his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And why did he have to die? Because of the sin in our life. Like Romans 6.23, and where it says the wages of sin is death, and then Revelation 20.14 and 15, and death and hell were cast in lake of fire. This is a second death. And whosoever is not found in the book of life was cast in lake of fire. And then take him back to Romans 6, 23, the last part. But the awesome thing, the gift of God. Remember God loved us enough to die, that Christ died for us? That's because he gave us a gift. And a gift is not something we earn. If we would try to earn it, we'd never make it. Because in our lives, we know areas in which we do things wrong. And, And then the idea of Romans 10, 9, and 10, and the idea of us calling upon him, Jesus Christ, to be our Savior. Uh, that you can do that compassionately. You can share it with them. If they're too deep and they're hurt, uh, they might not listen. But as you take it through, you pray with them and just let them know that God does have a purpose for you. And God does have a focus for you. And But it starts by us focusing on him. And so uh, that would be the way to start. And then then ask them if they have questions about God and write down those questions and then get together with them. And you can talk about, okay, suffering. You could go through some of the very verses that we covered. There's a purpose uh, for that if we look at it in a positive side. So uh, that I have... I have friends that I've seen come to know the Lord instantly when I gave the gospel. I've also have friends that it took them, um, it took them almost two years before they received Christ. And so, but I had a constant study with them to answer their questions. So don't just give up because they don't accept Christ the first time. Be an example before them because this guy, it took two years. He kept with me because he saw something real in me. He knew I wasn't perfect. He knew that, but he saw something authentic and he liked that. And he kept coming. He kept coming. And eventually he came to know Christ. So be authentic in what you do. Be real. Amen. So let's pray. Hmm. Father, I thank you for my brothers and sisters. Lord, there's, There's several, I'm sure, 
maybe many, they're going through much rougher times than I've ever experienced. They're hurting because of a loved one dying. They're hurting because of, of tragedy in their life. They're hurting because they've been mistreated physically. They've been mistreated emotionally. They've been mistreated uh, verbally by those around them. People that supposedly supposed to love them and even people who are, are supposed to be friends. And Lord, help them as they understand their position in you, as they understand their need to walk in you and their need to stay steadfast in you. And then help them, Lord, as they turn to you, as they talk to you, as they look at your word, as they look for ways, practical ways, that they can, they can do the things they can control and give to you the things they cannot control, but to be all in in walking with you. Lord, help us to be your light. You've told us we're light of you. You're your, your light. Help us walk as children of light and not walk in darkness. Thank you, Lord, for them. Strengthen them. Guide them. Love them. Encourage them. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you so much, Mr. Kendall. It's uh, such an honor uh, to have you on the show and uh, for always showing up um, and, and encouraging us. And I believe that uh, someone has been encouraged tonight uh, by your words of wisdom. Uh, and I pray that if anyone has is going through a difficult time or they have a family friend, I mean a friend or family who may be experiencing suffering, that this has been encouraging. I'm going to publish this particular episode uh, instantly. And so you can share the link. I don't know if you're able to find it, but if you can't, just Google 10 minutes in the field. And I'm sure you should be able to uh, find this particular episode and can share it with friends who may be going through um, a similar situation or may know someone who may be going through a similar situation. And so, but thank you so much, guys, for being with us. Thank you so much, Kane. Uh, for, for encouraging us tonight. Uh, may you have a good night, and we'll see you again um, on Wednesday. Uh, this week, we have a couple of friends uh, coming up on Cabin Devils. We have Mr. David Chirabira on Wednesday, and Rev. J coming up on Friday. I hope to see you soon. If you would like to uh, join the group discussions, uh, kindly send me an email uh, on campinthecloud at icloud.com. That is campinthecloud at icloud.com. And I'll be able to send you a link so you can be able to join uh, one of our cell groups uh, that we have going on. I'm going to post the link as you enjoy this song. May God bless you and have a good night. This is Abide With Me by Matt Redman. Have a good night. Love guys. you. We'll see you. Love you. Thank you so much, Love. Mr. Ken. Amen. Love you.
Bye.